Welcome to the Sowing Hope Podcast. This is a show all about implanting hope in our hearts. I'm Bill Snyder, joined by my friend Ann DeSantis. We're glad you're here for our uplifting conversation about faith and how it sustains our hearts through all the seasons of life. Thanks for walking with us. And good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Sewing Hope Podcast. Thank you so much for being a part of our ministry here and tuning in this evening, wherever you are listening from. Thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, as always, I am joined by my friend, Anne DeSantis, and uh, she uh, is always with us here on this Zoom call. We get to see each other, but uh, you don't get to see us. So, uh, Anne, how are you uh, this evening? Oh, I'm great, Bill. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's like end of January and you know it's only going to start to hopefully get warmer at some point <laughs> yeah I in know. Pennsylvania I should say that because I'm in I'm in the cold weather here in Philadelphia so. <laughs> yeah it's colder here in Wisconsin I, I I know that for sure but um it's uh, warm where our guest is today I know that and uh tell us about our guest today if you don't mind yes we have an amazing guest that I was so excited to have on our show Kimberly Zember and she is a Catholic author and the author of a book called Restless Heart, My Struggle with Life and Sexuality. You can learn about her at her two websites. One is called overcomemin.com and the other one is unforgottenfaces.org. So Kimberly, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on Sewing Hope. I'm super excited and I'm a little bit cold uh, just even hearing about your guys' estates. Yeah. Well, we're kind of jealous where you are. You're right. in San Diego, and I know the weather's probably probably pretty nice today. Yeah, I think we're about 70, our norm. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, I want to come visit. <laughs> hey, man, it's I'm only... excited to be on with you guys today. Thank yeah. you, Kimberly. So we always start out on Sewing Hope with your faith journey, because that's where people who don't know your story yet, where it begins. So uh, if you could just start from the beginning and tell us, you know, your walk of faith and how you came into a deeper faith at some point. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm still on the faith journey as we all are. Right. So I, I mm-hmm. haven't arrived. That's for sure. Um, but it's been interesting. You know, I grew up Catholic, um, super amazing Catholic family. And uh, I wouldn't say legalistic in any way. Um, even growing up, I, I knew my parents had a real relationship with the Lord. Um, and that was that was visibly present um, in my life. So I never felt like we were just checking the box as a family, you know, like, oh, we got to go to church. It was something we looked forward to. My mom was a daily mass goer. Um, and so and, and even for me, I went to private Catholic school, third grade through eighth grade. Um, but things when I when I went into public high school, you know, things got pretty, uh, pretty real. <laughs> Not that they weren't real before, but they, you know, I got kind of dumped into, um, you know, the real world real quick. And so, uh, yeah, it was just, it was, it was a wrestle, you know, with my faith internally. Um, you know, I don't think at that age, honestly, I had really taken my faith too seriously. Um, it wasn't something for sure, a relationship that I had um, been feeding. Yeah, I know I'd been going to mass, um, receiving sacraments and, and whatnot, but there wasn't like my own real decision um, that was that was stirring. And so um, I think that's why I kind of faced some of the issues I did. Um, I did have some people that I, I hung around with that I could see like active in their faith. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. But I, I was more interested in what everybody else was doing. Um, and I just kind of wanted to have fun, to be honest. Um, it was my senior year of high school. And um you know, I did, I think it's important to note that I, I did date guys in high school, um, but I always thought, I always believed that God did get it right. I was confused on some of the things he said, but I did feel like he got it right when he said premarital sex was like a no-no. Uh, I was like, okay, I, for some reason, I think he's right on that. And so even in high school, I mean, I was dating attractive guys and, but I just, I knew that sleeping with them was not what I wanted to do, though it might've been a desire. I, um, it was one I didn't feed. And so it was really hard to date in high school because the guys I was into uh, all wanted to have sex. So I kind of just my senior year, I was like, you know what? I'm done with this. I I don't need to be dating. I doubt I'm going to marry any of these people. So um, so I was single. And that was really hard in high school, to be honest, because uh, a, good amor- a good amount of my friends were dating. Um, and so I was I was kind of at a, I don't know, it was kind of a difficult 
part for me. And I didn't like logically think through it. Um, but looking back, I can see that I was lonely um, and I wanted companionship. And uh, this girl had caught my eye my senior year. She was the same grade as me. And I started thinking because people were saying that she was gay. And, um, you know, when I was in high school, we could usually tell, quote unquote, who was gay. And this girl, it made no sense. She kind of looked like me. She had blonde hair, you know, um, and feminine and, and you know, so I, it didn't really make sense. So it was kind of as if seeds were dropped in my, my mind um, that I don't know would have been there had those rumors not been spread. Um, but I started looking at her differently. Um, and I started wondering, well, wait, I'm attracted to her. Like she's, I can recognize she was attractive. Um, but then uh, that other thing came in was like, well, wait, if she's gay, maybe I am, if I have these feelings. And, and so this opened up to a lot. I won't go into detail. You guys can ask questions throughout. But um, I, that was the first time I'd ever kissed a girl was my senior year of high school. Um, and that moment changed my life uh, forever. I can actually say, I, well, I wouldn't probably be talking to you guys right now. Uh, had this not all happened. And, and the Lord has been present in my life the entire time, but I never really wanted to surrender. Um, I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And I wanted him to just bless whatever I wanted to do. I wasn't going to kill anybody. I wasn't going to do anything. I figured if all my friends were having sex and people were getting drunk and, and doing drugs, what's the harm in me kissing a girl and, and, and enjoying her? It wasn't a sexual thing for me. It was a, it was an intimacy um, a closeness, you know, I, I know we hear intimacy and we instantly think physical, but um, I really was just desiring companionship and I couldn't really find that with the guys. I'm not blaming them, but it seemed to always want to go somewhere. And so for me, this was, um, this was kind of safe, even though I knew in my heart that it was not right what I was doing. Um, I thought I looked at everybody else and I was like, well, it's better than what they're doing. Uh, and so not that that was right, but um, so that went on for years. I hid it for years. I never told anybody. Um, and it, it led to a wrestle internally every day. Um, I had now experienced something that I was now desiring and craving before I knew it. it I was craving physical intimacy with women. Um, it didn't start that way, but uh, it sure did pick up. And so that went on for years. And, uh, and I had some more encounters with the Lord. He, he would not quit. And he kept, kept at my heart. Um, literally every day. And I tried to silence him. Uh, you know, he was never yelling, but it's, that's, it's almost more frustrating, the small, still whisper, um, that just doesn't <laughs> quite go away. Um, but so I would drink and party and do everything I could to, to try to stop listening. But I knew in my heart that what I was doing was not right. I did know that. And, and it went on, I don't know how much you want me to get into, but, uh, it did go on for, for years. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. And, you know, when we open our hearts, especially in the way that you are, and, and when you're describing that you had that conflict, right? You had a conflict in your mind from the very beginning. Um, I, yeah. Describe for us then how, like, what happened next for you after that time of your life where life went on and then, you know, so many years went, went by. When, when did that aha moment happen to you where, yeah, I love to hear that. Well, uh, unfortunately, I'm uh, I need multiple aha moments uh, in my life to really wake up. So it, it I would love to say it was one, but it was it was many. Um, I would say the most one of the most impactful in that time was when I was 23. Um, I, I was actually dating a guy, but I was with a woman behind the scenes. Basically, I was cheating on him. Um, but this guy was different. Um, he was Christian. He wasn't Catholic, but he was he loved the Lord, and it was so clear. It was clear by the way he lived. It was clear by the way he treated others. And what I could see in him, I wanted. Now, it wasn't necessarily him that I wanted. I wanted whatever he had that made him who he was. And I knew that was God, but I just didn't really know how to do it. And so him and I were dating and he said that he loved me. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm cheating on this guy. There's so much mess behind the scenes, you know, in my life. This guy doesn't know it. He's so sweet. And so I'm like, you don't love me. What, what could you love? You know, I was wrestling really with myself on this. How could a good guy love someone like me who's doing what they're doing? And so um, long story short, uh, and the details are in the book, but that night I asked God to show me my heart. My boyfriend had left. Um, we got in a fight. I, well, I was fighting um, and asked him to leave. And I asked the Lord to show me my heart. And at the moment he did. Um, don't care if anybody believes me, but it was so real to me that I got on a plane and uh, moved to Ethiopia. Um, so mm -hmm. I stopped my real estate career. I was selling real estate in San Diego. And I'm like, okay, God, if this has to be you, because 
he reminded me of something I totally forgot about when I was a kid and this desire I had. And so that was a big wake up moment for me. And so when I, as a Southern California, you know, young adult, 23, stepped foot into Ethiopia with no nonprofit, no nothing, I was by myself. Um, it woke me up like big time. Like I got to see people that were literally like suffering. And here I am just running amok of my life. Um, and so it, it kind of cracked my heart open. Um, and I think for the first time, like I was, I feel like God was inviting me to learn how to love. Um, and because I can look back at every relationship that I was in, I might've really cared for these people and loved them, but I didn't live out what real love is like sacrificial love, right? Um, the love that puts someone else first. And so that experience in Ethiopia for me really opened my eyes. I feel like kind of like scales fell off and I, I started to experience, like, I feel like the realness of my heart. Um, and so, yeah, I ended up moving to Ethiopia, um, long story again, short, that's why there's a book, not a, a one hour <laughs> podcast, but, um, in that, um, you know, I, I ended up moving to Ethiopia. The boyfriend came with me. I did not have attraction to women when I was over there. I mean, I could recognize beautiful women, but I didn't even have attraction to my boyfriend. I just wanted to help these kids. So I ended up starting a nonprofit, uh, helping single moms and, and all their children. And I was, I was like on fire. There was, there was no stopping me. Um, and I was not thinking about myself. Like I didn't have time really. Um, and when I did, I was exhausted. So for me, that's when I think life was the fullest and I felt the mo most fulfilled. But then my boyfriend um, didn't feel called to be there. So we, we actually moved back to, to the States, um, back to California and he proposed. And so at that point, I'm like, oh man. And I had already told him that I cheated on him. And with a girl um, you know, this was before we left Ethiopia. I was like, I cannot not tell him this before he moves to another country with me. Like, I gotta be real. Um, so he knew all of that. And he asked me like, are you gay? I'm like, no, I'm not gay. I just like women. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I, I didn't really know. And I didn't want to, I could never take on that identity for some reason. Um, even when I was, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but moved back to the States, ended up getting married. I thought, you know what, if, if this, is it? I mean, I'm not going to be single all my life. That sounds miserable. And I'm, I don't feel called to be a nun or I just don't want to be. So that's off the table. So I got marriage, you know? Um, and so I thought there's nobody better than this man. Again, another selfish decision. Um, but it's what I made. And it was about, it was the night actually I got married. Um, I got on my knees and I, I prayed. I was like, God, I promise you, I will never cheat on this man with a woman. Like I knew that if I was going to be tempted, it would have been with another, with a woman, not a man. Like, I don't think you could get better than, than the man that was in front of me. Um, but I knew this was still something I hadn't dealt with. So I was promising God, I didn't ask God for help. I promised him I wouldn't do something and that never works. Um, I don't have the strength. Right. And so, uh, it was about, I think, uh, a little over a year into our marriage and I cheated on him with a married woman. Um, and you would think that, that would be a wake up moment. Um, and it, Honestly, it was, but I didn't, it's, it, I can't really describe. Um, I think the book does a pretty good job of describing how I was feeling and all that was going on. Um, but that made the turmoil, turmoil even worse. You know, now I had entered this covenant of marriage with this amazing guy, but I have all these desires. I don't know what to do with them. I wasn't blaming anybody, but I, I was like, I was in so deep now. I'm like, I don't know. So I, I actually had an affair for uh, a few months. Uh, and then by the grace of God, I got caught. And uh, now I had a moment right there where it was like, okay, Kim, you either lie and you you just continue on in your marriage or you deal with this um, and continue on in your marriage or whatever. But either way, you either lie or you, you own up and you deal with this. And so it was absolutely horrible, absolutely horrible to deal with my own decisions. I blame absolutely no one for what I chose to do. Um, but it was really hard to look in the mirror. Um, it was really hard to um, look at family, you know, who raised me and did everything they could. Um, but I, I made decisions. And so, yeah, that was a wake up moment. Uh, but that then, you know, I went to counseling. I had I had I went to a priest, um, asked him what to do, you know, and I was told over and over, like, you're gay, you know, and and like, oh, what do I do with that? Because I don't know, like, you know, and it was clear, like, well, you probably shouldn't have gotten married, gotten married. Okay. Well, I am. <laughs> so what now that not to mention, actually, I went to counseling when I was 19, sorry to jump all over, but 
when I was struggling with same-sex attraction, I did hire a Catholic counselor. I want on my own. Uh, my parents did not know. I hired a counselor on my own because I wanted help and I wanted Christian guidance, not just any guidance. Mm. And um, I continued to get the, you know, it's okay. God is love. God loves you. And I'm like, why doesn't it say this in the Bible? What? Like, it's so clear about homosexuality and living out the desires. I'm not talking about just desires I have. I'm living them out. What do I do? And so um, just really confusing and not a lot of direct answers, a lot of a lot of love, but not a lot of truth. Um, and and I personally don't think love without truth is love. So, um, you know, so, yeah, it, it led to it led to a lot um, in my life. So now I ended up going through a divorce and then I openly dated women um, for years following that you know, thinking, okay, well, I'm going to embrace this lifestyle. My husband wanted to work on the marriage. I'm not saying I made the right decision, but I, I, we got an annulment. Um, and, um, I started dating women and I was miserable. I was more miserable dating women than I was hiding. Um, because now I was out right. And, and publicly, you know, living my life that everybody said I'd be so happy living. And I still had, nobody could take away the wrestle within no matter how many people still loved me and were nice to me and how many more friends I got, no one could ever combat what was going on inside in my heart and in my mind. Uh, my family loved me well through it. They never supported my lifestyle. They loved me without loving what I was doing. I know there's the saying, love the sin or hate the sin, but I think that just has a lot of negativity. Um, I feel that my family loved me, but didn't love what I was doing. Um, they could separate who I was from what I was choosing to do. And, um, it was, it was rough. Um, but it was actually the, the, uh, another aha moment was when a girlfriend, um, cheated on me. And, uh, I finally realized I was like, you know what, God, I'm done. It was October 17th, 2014 threw my hands up in the air. And I said, I surrender. I'm done. I am so not good at playing God. I have ruined my own life up to this point and other people. I mean, I have an ex-husband, I've got ex-girlfriends, I got ex-boyfriends, I got all this XXX. And I'm like, Lord, I'm sorry. I have just made a mess of too much and I surrender. I need you to be God. Um, in that moment, he came into my life in a way that is tangible. You can read about it in the book, so I don't drain all the clock on this. Um, but it was real. Um, I was awoken to a different level spiritually. Um, and I wanted different and um yeah, it's, it's been a journey since then. Um, but that was the last time I actually lived in the lifestyle um, was that October 17th moment. Um, so a lot has happened since then. A lot happened in between then. But I think that gives somewhat of an overview, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Kim, that's great. I mean, thank you so much for being so open and being so honest with, with our listeners tonight. And, uh, you know, you you've really laid out some beautiful um, you know principles and some beautiful truths in what you've talked about, and I want to um, talk about a couple of things you mentioned. You know, you talked about that true love being a sacrificial love, mm -hmm. and um, you know, I I think we see a lot in society today about this selfish me, this selfish me love. I need mm -hmm. to fill the hole. And I, you know, with, you know, I need to fill a round hole with a square peg. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and it, it's, it is not necessarily about filling a hole, but that's the hole we fall into as human beings. And, you know, I always say God makes divine appointments with people who need to listen to podcasts, you know? Uh, yeah. So, so, you know, there's somebody out there, you know, it could even be months from now that are listening to this on, on, on repeat somewhere in some form. And I just want like you to talk a little bit about that that awakening to the sacrificial love of God, and um, and, and what that really means. You know, you mentioned also about truth and and love. Both of them have to go together in order to be complete. Uh, and so, just talk a little bit about that that true sacrificial love and 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 the fullness that it brings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm still learning, right? Um, as I pray, we know we all are. Um, I don't got it, but I am learning. And what, what I've been learning is that love doesn't look like what I thought it does. And love doesn't look like what the movies tell me it looks like. Um, it looks like Jesus on the cross. Um, it looks like a sacrifice of self for the good of someone else. 
and when I look back at my my relationships, like I say, I you know I love those people, but I I didn't. I loved them with a Hollywood love. I was attracted to them. I was you know um, kind to them. I liked who they were, but that doesn't. That's not what love as a Christian is. Love puts the other person first. It's you know when when you have desires, it says is is this desire that I have best for that person right? Is it whatever I'm craving, whatever I want, is it good for them and good for their soul? Not does it feel good to them? Is it good for them? And and the only way I measure anything good is back to the one who is good, which is God, right? And so the, the scriptures are very clear to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, right? And so I got a lot of things that raced through my mind. I got a lot of desires, a lot of feelings. And so what I asked the Lord to help me to do is like, hey, I really like this person, God, you know, and then I have desires and feelings that come. It's like, okay, is this best for them? Is this good for them? And if the answer is no, Lord, help me to not walk this out, right? And that could be heterosexual, homosexual. It could be anything. It could be your friend, right? Like your husband, your wife, whatever. And so I, it's really having the other person's soul always in front of you, right? Like, and I can't control where someone's soul goes, right? Like, that's going to be between them and the Lord. But I know what is, is it truly like, would Jesus celebrate what I'm doing? And, and I don't want to look at my life and be like, what can I get away with? I did that enough. Um, and it caused heartache for many, uh, including myself. And so I just think we need to look again at the crucifix, right? So many of us wear it. Um, but do we really like look at what that, that is the display of love right there. Jesus, who was perfect, is perfect gave everything and took upon himself sin so that we could have relationship, right relationship with the father. And so to me, um, that's the kind of love I want. That's the love I believe the saints desired, right? Um, we, we, we've let society, I think, or I can't speak for other people. I've let society tell me what love looks like. And I don't want that love. I, I had plenty of that and it did not fill any bit of a void. We were created for God by God to com be completed by him. And so we can have loving relationships with one another, but the rea reality is there ain't no husband and wife in, in heaven. Like Jesus addressed yeah. that on earth, right? And exactly. so amen, amen to, to loving relationships here, but look, I want to practice my love for the Lord here on earth. And, and, and it says very clearly, right? Like you can't love God and hate your neighbor. And so I want to learn to love God and, and have him love me, allow him to love me and then be able to love. I mean, freely you receive, freely you give. So as I receive the love of Christ, I can now give the love of Christ. And that's not perfect. I'm not perfect. I make bad decisions. There's moments where I don't want to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I'm human being, right? I, I have things and I have days where I'm like, I don't want to do this. And it would just be easier to live like the rest of the world is. Um, and I'm not saying that I'm living some perfect life or anything, but there's times where I'm exhausted and I'm like, everybody else is doing this. My friends are getting married. My other people I used to be friends with are marrying the same sex. I'm like, it just seems easier. And, and, you know, in some ways it might be easier, but I know it's an empty road. I know it's an empty road. If the Lord is not leading it and it's not his call, I don't want it. And, and I fight with my flesh all the time, but the Lord says, right, to, to feed the spirit. Paul, what did Paul talk about it all the time, right? He's like, why do I do the things I don't want to do? And I can't do the things I want to do. Like, we're not alone in this. Paul's such a beautiful example of that. And so if people are like, oh, Kim, you're not really free from homosexuality. You still have desires. I'm like, okay. So that's like saying, if I've lost weight and I still crave a brownie, I'm no longer, I'm still overweight just because I crave something. No, we are, what we choose to walk out, right? Is going to be what it is. I can be angry but choose and ask the Lord to help me to not, to not carry that, right? And to not show it and to, to release it to the Lord. That doesn't make me an angry person just because I have the feeling or the desire. So I think sometimes we in society um, let our desires define us when, oh my goodness, Jesus died on the cross to define who I am. And so uh, my desire and my feelings, whatever they may be, uh, they don't hold a candle to the one who died for me who defines who I am. So yeah. And how do we move past, like, like th th I think that's a really big question that you just kind of even posed for, for people out there. How do we move past that? Because we are, you know, it, there's something so superficial just about, 
living in your desires. I mean, I, I mean, you know, you yeah. start looking at uh, even some of the saints, like uh, the Interior Castle, right, Saint Teresa of Avila, mm-hmm. when she talked about, you know, these desires that kind of exist on the outside with the frogs mm-hmm. and the lizards and all that stuff. And then how do we how do we jump past that into that deeper spirituality, so that mm-hmm. so that our desires don't define us? Because because I know that I struggle with that. I'm sure there's a lot of yeah. people out there that do. Well, I think it's all of us. And I think it's called our human nature. And I honestly, just just in my experience, I don't think we jump past anything. I think you don't, you know, I, I drove a, um, a Tesla for a little while and it went from zero to 60 super quick. But the reality is it didn't get from zero to 60. It went one, two, three, four, all the way to 60. It had to hit every speed in between. Now it went much faster than some. So there is, I think we can have accelerated moments in our journey of sanctification. But the bottom line, I think we all have to go through these, these le- levels, right. That the Lord is teaching us on. Um, and so for me, I'm kind of done being like, how quick could I do this? You know, I think we also live in a society that, you know, I call it the microwave society, or for those who are a little aged like me, the Chia pet society, where, you know, we want something now we want it right here, right now. Um, but our relationship with the Lord is going to be for eternity. And so I want to take it seriously here. I don't want to try to, oh, how can I get there faster? It's like, Lord, just teach me. Don't let me miss something. See, I'm so used to going so fast that I have a feeling I missed a lot, right? And, and there are valuable lessons in there. And I think we're so sometimes afraid. I'll speak for myself. I've been so afraid of falling that I forget to learn the lessons upon the way. And I'm not, I never celebrate sin, not in my life and not in anybody else's, but there's a lesson. I mean, I'm doing Father Mike Schmidt's podcast, uh, The Bible in a Year, And he's going through this and it's like, thank you, Lord. Like we need to see Abraham and Isaac and all these, like the father of our faith and what he's done. He he didn't beat himself up. We have a father who loves us, right? We have a father who loves us and is waiting to embrace us. Are we receiving his forgiveness? Are we receiving the lessons he has for us to learn so that we don't fall again? Or, or, you know, I, I run a college group and I'm like, I was talking to him last night. I'm like, you guys, look, if you're going to, if you're going to confession, and, and then you realize like two weeks later, you're going in for the same thing. I don't want you to beat yourself up. I want you to look at what's the difference between when I went in two weeks ago and now. And if there is progress, praise the Lord and ask him to continue to, to, to progress within you and desire sanctification. It's a process. If, if it can be sped up, Lord, speed it up. But I don't want to miss it along the way. You know, so I think sometimes we're so busy to jump levels and we, we actually didn't learn to really walk. So we're not actually ready to run. Uh, that's, I, that's amazing. I love hearing your story. And I was just looking at the, the book itself and the restless heart, my struggle with life and sexuality by Kim Zembert's on Amazon. And, um, you know, the description there talks about that. It's a vulnerable memoir and it's just like the podcast right now. I mean, you're being vulnerable with us. And I think when we hear people's vulnerabilities and their struggles, it helps us to be able to see how God is working in our own lives. And when you were talking, you are bringing up society quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And I do think that when it comes to sexuality and whether we're talking about heterosexuality or homosexuality, society has a lot to say about sex, doesn't it? And I think, it yeah. And I think sometimes, um, it, go, it goes so far as to make it such an obsession mm-hmm. and putting it into our own minds that this is where we're going to find happiness. This is where we're going to find fulfillment. Yeah. And all of us here on this podcast, on although I know we get a lot of people of different faiths and backgrounds and religions and non-religions, but when it comes right down to it in our Catholic faith, is that really the only place for sexual, like, you know, the sexual act is going to be in the marital relationship, right? So, I mean, I think that confuses so many people because there's that, as you, as you use the word society, society's um, enticements, right? With, so I think you have to ask who's teaching us. You know what I mean? Who's, who's, who are we allowing to teach us? I want God to teach me. I want him to teach me through his church. I want him to teach me through his word, which are right in line with each other. Right. I want him to teach me, um, you know, he's not going to reveal something to me in private prayer. That's not already something in the scriptures and in the teachings. So I'm not looking for a new revelation. I'm looking for what right God is, was, and always will be. He's the beginning and the end. 
And so for me, we have the teacher and he has made himself available to us, right? Jesus says, it's better that I go so that I leave you my spirit, right? We have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us as baptized believers. Mm. I want the Lord to teach me, not the world. Oh my gosh. If I was, And I did, I let the world teach me. And I was, it was like a headache, dude, because for me, it's always changing. I can't keep up with that. Like the Lord is consistent. And, and the reality is he is the, anything good comes from him. And so we have this beautiful church that he has preserved here on earth. Like our Catholic faith, come on. Like you go through these teachings and they don't change when the world is saying something else. When society is saying something else, the church stands firm because the Lord doesn't change. See, I think so much. We want the Lord to change to our ways instead of us conform to his ways. And, and I did, I prayed still, I still went to mass every day while I was living the lifestyle. But the reality was I didn't have the peace. I did not have the peace I have now. Now, yes, I struggle, everybody does. You're never gonna avoid that. But the reality is when I surrendered and said, Lord, I want you to transform me. Whoa, that's where, that's where life changed. And it continues to, that's a daily prayer of mine. So yeah, I mean, it, it, who do you want to teach you? Do you want society or do you want the church? Do you want the Lord to teach you? And for those who say, oh, the church is just an institution. Well, the Lord created it. You can't say you love the king and you hate his kingdom. You know? <laughs> well said. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you, you have a beautiful story. Um, I would love it for if you could share with us too. So after you got the annulment, and like you said, you um, had some other relationships, but you, had, you must have had another aha moment after that, that really brought you even into, I think you said it was the October 17th moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I guess but, you're continuing to have those aha. Yeah. They're, they're <laughs> talking. I think as long as he puts breath in my lungs, uh, he, he's always trying to wake me up in a gentle, loving, compassionate way. God is not angry at me. Even, even when, and if I fall, he's not angry. He does not celebrate sin never. And he doesn't tempt. We don't have a God who tempts, but uh, he's always for me and not against me. And for the good of my soul, he wants me to dwell with him in eternity. Nobody goes to hell. We choose it, right? Yeah. And so, oh, yeah. that, you know, this, this, um, the aha moments, they continue to happen the more I seek him, right? And his word's super clear, seek me and you will find me, you know? And so are we really seeking him? Are we seeking his ways? And so I have, I, and by the grace of God, I have a growing desire to seek him more. It started on October 17th and it's been happening throughout my life, but I find the more I, the more I taste of the Lord, the more I want. And I think that can be tied over so quickly to like eating healthy. You know, at first we're like, ah, but I don't want to stop eating X, Y, or Z, you know? But then when we start consuming what is good and good for us, right? We're like, whoa, I actually really like that. And I feel like that's why the Lord says, taste and see that I am good. He wants us to experience them. And we got to remember too, especially as Catholics, uh, God doesn't have grandchildren. Mm -hmm. He has children. And mm -hmm. so I tried to run under the umbrella of my parents' faith and then realized like, oh, that doesn't work. Like, thank God they were in the faith. But there comes a point where we either take ownership of this relationship and we press in or we don't. Mm, thank you so much. I wondered if you had anything to say. We get listeners from all, all over and society is much different. And I know you brought up society a few different times. Uh, I know from when I was younger, there's such more like, it's so much more out there, the different types of lifestyles. And it's not just homosexuality or heterosexuality. There's all kinds of things now that are presented to young kids and um, teenagers. Do you, did you have anything to say about that or uh, any words of advice for parents or for people who might be listening that are confused by all this? Yeah. I mean, it's super confusing because again, we're, I think we're letting our feelings determine who we are. Um, and that's really scary because our feelings change, you know, um, and that could be feelings. You put them in whatever category you want. And so in no way am I trying to speak negatively about someone who's struggling in any way. We, we all do struggle and in different ways, but you know, I, my advice would be the same thing I'm doing in my own life is go back to Jesus what does he say? What does he say about you? Right? He created male and female. He created marriage, man and woman. And that's not in an angry way. It's because he has nothing but goodness for us. But when we step out of his ways 
we step into our own and we're playing God. And, and that's where the damage and confusion comes in. And that's in my life and, and it's in anybody's. And so I think growing in relationship, I think sometimes we're, you know, just had been mentioned before, you know, it's this me, me, me. But if we just take a moment and we say, okay, God, what about you? Can I start looking at you? Because see, I want to reflect Christ, but I'm not going to reflect what I'm not looking at. And so I think as we turn our gaze, our thoughts, our hearts, our time to the Lord, spend time in his word, spend time in prayer, um, you know, at mass, all these different things, you know, um, that they're available, especially for us Catholics, you know, rosary, all these beautiful ways to grow our faith and our relationship with the Lord. Um, I think when we start doing that, the confusion starts to fade because now we have, and I don't like this term sometimes because it could be new age, but I don't mean it that way, but like true North, we know where the compass resets. And I think often we, for me, it's daily. I need a reset every morning and throughout the day. Sometimes it's just this reset, like God redirect my heart and my thoughts and my everything back to you. I could get wrapped up in ministry, right? And now I've even in ministry, taken my eyes off the Lord because I'm looking at the work of the Lord instead of the Lord himself. Right. Um, so I think it's something we always have to keep a gauge on. And, and when we take our eyes off Christ, we're going to enter into confusion, anxiety, uh, you name it. I've, I've experienced a good amount of it all. I'm not saying I know it all. And I'm surely not saying I walk in everybody's shoes. But I think the best advice is the same that I give and try to take for myself, which is return your gaze back to the Lord, back to Jesus. That's awesome. And you know, the, the, the very neat thing about that is no matter where you are, you can always shift the, the gaze back. 100%. Right. And, and I think for a lot of people, especially in our society today, you know, because, because we hear, and it's even in like, even in TV shows and just, and it's so, you know, subtly put in there that, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think it's uh, clearly it's Satan too. I mean, you know, it's clearly Satan too. Yeah. He's at work. You know, but but what he, what he says is, you know, well, you, once, once you've done this, there's, there's no, there's no going back. There's no turning Mm -hmm. it around. And, and that's one of the biggest lies. I remember um, reading a book not long ago by Matthew Kelly, where he talks about uh, holiness being impossible for, for, for each individual. And, and if Satan can convince us that holiness is impossible for you, uh, but it's possible for Mother Teresa, and it's possible right. for those really holy people, well, then... You know, then then he's convinced you that well, you can't live a holy life. Yeah, you know, throw in the towel. Exactly, throw in the towel. And I think, you know, we hearing you talk about going resetting every day, resetting moment by moment, even mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. on the Lord. Uh, that that is possible. That's choosing holiness in those moments. And and, and when you do that, um, it doesn't mean that you you know all, everything's going to be perfect. No, right. No. But it but it means that okay. God is with me. God is with me. And he's for me. And he's for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's not against me. And I, I love what you just brought up because this is important, I think, too. Um, you know, if if a Christian, Catholic, non-Catholic, whatever, if a Christian says, you know, hey, I'm, I've been disqualified, right? Well, then you might as well throw out the Bible, too, because Paul wrote three quarters of the New Testament, roughly, Um, And he should have been disqualified too then because he was murdering Christians, right? And you have Peter denying, right? You go through all of this. The father of our faith should be disqualified. Abraham, who took his own path and and had, you know, when he was Abram, he had his wife pregnant with someone. It's like, come on. No, that's the lie we're choosing to believe, right? Choosing to believe. We, We cannot. And I say this all the time. Look, I didn't choose my desires for women but I have choice and I pray to God that we don't take this away from ourselves. We all have choice what we do with our desires. We all have choice. And so even in that, whatever we're facing, you may have not chose the desire you have, but do not take the free will gift that God gave that we have choice of what we do with whatever desire we have. And that's where I think we get in to this other part where it's like, I I don't know, I can't. And so because I have same sex attraction or, Whatever it might be, I, I'm disqualified. That is a lie straight from the pit of hell, and it needs to go back there. Not you go there. The lie needs to go back there because the reality is God was, Jesus Christ was tempted in every way, 
in every way. We have a we have the unblemished lamb who was tempted in every way and never sinned. He experienced every temptation that we feel he experienced in some way. He will be your strength. He is my strength. I am not my own strength. That prayer I prayed on my knees when I got married was not a real prayer because I never asked for help. Yes, my desire was not to cheat, but I didn't say, Jesus, I need you to be my strength. Paul would boast in his weakness for there God was made strong. God is always strong. But when we reveal in humility our weakness and we invite the Lord to be our strength, he comes in like a rushing wind and we will see things happen. Look, if you're lacking self-control, it's a lack of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's one of the fruits of the Spirit, right? Self-control. Oh, yeah. We need help. We need help. And the Lord did not leave us abandoned to, to just, you know, wallow here on earth trying to figure it out for ourselves. He can be our strength. But are we asking him to be? And are we even aware that we need help? Right? This is a process of sanctification. This is not, Mother Teresa did not become a saint in an overnight. The first time she ever um, helped someone with a wound, she threw up, <laughs> right? Like, come on, they're normal people, just like you and I. Let's not put saints at a level that is not attainable for us. God calls all of us to be saints. And so please, let's stop believing the lie that we've been disqualified. We have a, we have a savior who died on the cross that we wouldn't be disqualified. That's beautiful because also all of us have a different personality and charism and talents. And um, we had another guest on this show who talks about talents, you know, talents are really exciting and it's a way that we can unlock a lot of our potential and, and really become saints, you know, in, in, in the ways that you're describing and I know that with your ministry now, you do have a ministry too, because I looked at one of your websites, it's called unforgottenfaces.org. Mm -hmm. I wondered if you could tell us about that. It looks like you're doing some amazing work with your talents. Well, yeah, the Lord uh, really cracked my heart. Like I said, I think it was what, 13 years ago um, when I, when I showed up in Ethiopia. And so it's been running ever since we work with single moms that are trying to figure out how to do this uh, on their own. Uh, and helping their kids, food, education, healthcare. Um, we don't, we're not a hand out, but we are a helping hand. Uh, so we don't just give away a, a lot of stuff, which some people may feel called to that. I felt like, you know, for me, when I, you know, I sold real estate, like I said, in San Diego for so long, since I was 18 and the money came super easy. Um, and so I didn't, I didn't really cherish it. You know, I kind of frivolously used it. I was a gambler. I was, you know, all these things. And, and so I kind of, took some of those principles in my own life. And I was like, wait a minute, maybe these should apply to other people too. Like I'm a human being, maybe these work elsewhere. And so we've really worked with people on earning money and, and how to use their own gifts and talents with that the Lord's given them um, to help create sustainability for their family. And it's amazing what these women have done. And I will tell you, you know, people like, oh, thank you for what you do in Ethiopia. I'm like, you need to understand something. I am thankful that the Lord, you know, um, had it for me to go and, and serve there. But he has blessed me and my life seeing, seeing these amazing people with such radical faith when everything around them should look like they should have no faith in God at all. And so they have been instrumental and continue to be instrumental in my life and building my faith to see people that have nothing filled with so much joy and so much faith um, is truly um, they're, they're some of my biggest mentors and people I look up to. And so um, it's just so beautiful that, that they can help me grow in my personal faith. And then maybe I can help them with food and, and different things, um, that will pass, but what they give me and what God gives me through them is, um, real faith. It's amazing. So. Well, great work. Thank you so much. And, um, and then your other website is the overcomemin.com, which is a beautiful website, is there anything new that's happening in the coming months that you want to tell our listeners about? Um, yeah, we got, I don't know, we're doing more and more conferences. Praise God. I'll be sharing with Father Mike Schmitz and Bishop Barron at Seek 21 uh, that's coming up. Yeah. And um, that'll be beautiful. And got some, just, I, I feel honored to even uh, be sharing anything uh, with, with these people who are just radical, you know, lovers of the Lord. Um got some freedom marches that I do with some Protestant friends of mine, just sharing the goodness of the gospel. Um, people that have come out of the lifestyle 
of homosexuality, uh, come out of transgender lifestyles and just sharing the goodness of God, not pointing the finger at other people. Uh, so we do marches, uh, we do testimony and whatnot. And then we just walk around the city praising the Lord for how good he is. So we do freedom march. We're doing four of those this year and it's just good to be back with people. You know, um, I'm thankful for Zoom. I'm thankful for the internet and everything we've been able to do, but it's really good to be one-on-one -on -one with people and face-to-face. And -face. We were created for it. And, uh, but yeah, um, don't know. I, I never know what the Lord's doing. Um, I enjoy day-to-day. -day. I don't know that he even gives me tomorrow. So I try not to get <laughs> too much ahead. So. Awesome. Kim, this has been so much fun and, um, and, and really enlightening, I think, for a lot of people. Uh, I, I just appreciate your, you know, your candor, your openness, um, and, and, and sharing your weakness with everybody because, you know, it is such a strength in your life. It's such a beautiful strength in your life. And, um, you know, I, 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 as we kind of wrap up tonight, I just want to, um, you know, ask you to, um, you know, talk to that person out there that right, that, that it's in one of those hopeless situations that seemingly is hopeless you know, uh, wh where they are, you know, maybe, you know, along your journey, you know, somewhere along the lines of, you know, just, just feeling hopeless, just feeling like, uh, you know, you can't turn it around. And, um, and, you know, how, what is that, what is that one thing that you would say to that person that is struck, that is like ready to give up, ready to pack it in, ready to just go off the deep end? Um, what is the one thing you'd tell them, you know, to, to do or not Don't do? give up. Don't give up and do not listen to fear. Fear drove my life, fear of being alone, fear of what everybody else has and I don't. I, I pray to God the same prayer over myself is that you turn to the Lord. Just remember the prodigal son. When the son realized like everything, he was at the pit of his life. He has a pit of his life and he realized he had a father that he could return to. He was willing to be a slave for his own father. And when he ran back, the father was already waiting clothe him with robes of righteousness and rings on his finger. And, and the, and our same father is doing the same thing for us. He's waiting for you to return to him. He's not mad at you. He's not angry at you. He loves you. And he wants you in his embrace. You are worthy. You are worth it. Not because I say so, but because he says so, because Christ gave everything on Calvary Hill for you and for me. And I pray that we don't waste his blood. His blood was shed for you and me. And so I know there's a lot of shame and condemnation and guilt that comes with choices that we make and feelings and desires that we have, but God sees you and he wants you and he wants to love you through this all in his truth and in his love. So I love your ministry. And I know that people who are listening to this are thinking the same thing. And what about people who are listening also who work for churches, archdiocese, diocese, you know, you're a great speaker. It'd be amazing to come to someone's church or do an online event. Tell, tell us what you can do with all of those people who are listening that might want you to come and speak. Yeah, uh, I've done parish missions and whatnot. And, um, you know, anytime somebody wants me, I speak at a lot of universities um, and whatnot as well. And uh, there's nowhere I won't go. Uh, if the Lord asks, then, then I want to, you know, here I am, Lord. Um, and so, yeah, you, on Overcome on the website, uh, there's a place where you can reach out. So I have a lot of people ask if I'll come to even small groups. I'm doing this next week. I'm uh, speaking at a, a high school group in, in New Jersey. So, um, oh you know, gosh. I don't care if it's two people or two million. Uh, it's no different. One person matters. So, yeah, if, if this is a message, you know, what the message the Lord has within me. Uh, is something that you feel is is needed in your area or something, reach out. So awesome. That's great. I want to make a shout out to my Philadelphia friends. You're going to be in New Jersey. That means you have to come to Philadelphia sometime. Oh, <laughs> I would love to. I would love to. <laughs> and then we'll get to meet in person too. So Amen. thank you so much. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, folks, uh, I, I I definitely want you uh, to you know check out uh, Kim's website again. It's uh, OvercomeMin.com. And Kim, give us uh, the best place for them to get your book, Restless Heart, because uh, it, that that is great read as well. So, give them the best yeah. place to go and get it. Well, Sophia Institute Press has been amazing. They're the publisher, so I'd go direct to them um, just to continue to bless them. It is available on Amazon. It's available available on Kindle and Audible. Um, so yes, I sat for 20 hours and, and read my life over again. 
Uh, so if you're more of a listen kind of person and then the, the website, it's on there too. And it's overcome M I N it's not overcome men, like a joke. <laughs> it's <laughs> overcome M I N short for ministries. <laughs> so. <laughs> awesome. This has been so great. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Kim. I, I know we'll definitely have you back on uh, sharing Amen. amazing, amazing life stories and, and, and just Great hope. I mean, this show is all about sowing hope into broken hearts, and I know I am confident that we uh, accomplished that today. Uh, so, so thank you so much for your time and praise the Lord and for your ministry. Amen. Honored. Awesome. Well, folks, uh, I want to remind you to uh, go over and visit our websites as well, and you know, know that we'll put all the show notes, uh, you know, together. You will have notes in the replay so that you can get click links to get to right to Kim's website and book and all that good stuff. Uh, but I want to encourage you also to visit ours, uh, which uh, simply is patchworkheart.org and, uh, and to see all of the stuff that we're doing. And of course, uh, andesantis.com as well, because Anne has some great ministry stuff up there uh, as well. So, so thank you uh, to everybody who has been tuning in uh, to tonight and know that we'll be back with you next week. Until then... Keep beating to your Catholic heart and sowing hope into broken hearts. I'm Bill Snyder. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sowing Hope on Patchwork Heart Radio. For more information about this podcast and our ministries, visit our websites, patchworkheart.com and andesantis.com. You can also follow and interact with us on Twitter at PWH Ministry or andesantis2.